0: Curtis Powers and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I hope you've had a good week. I know things are busy for you like they are for me and everybody else this time of year with preparing for Christmas and all the different things going on, but we're thankful for you and we appreciate you being a part of what we do by subscribing and uh Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover about five key news stories that are going on right now that you need to be aware of, and then we're going to get into some Christmas details, things to help encourage you to have a meaningful, purposeful Christmas next week. And next week, we don't have an episode. That's the only week in the whole year. That's our one week off so we can spend time with our family and friends just like you need to do as well. But uh, then we'll come back right after Christmas and kind of wrap up the year and then move into 2023. And I know it's going to be a great year, too, where we can individually change things we're doing to be more the way they should be and influencing those around us each day that goes by and sharing the gospel and things to make our life really count. But thanks again for joining me this week. One of the key stories going on worldwide that I think is so important and it affects us in America tremendously, but it's what's going on in Brazil right now. They had an election about 50 days ago and it was clearly fraudulent. There was discrepancies. Things didn't add up and make sense. Bolsonaro, who is the current president, is so loved by the people there and the person running against him is a communist, Lula, that everyone's like, this. there's no way this is what happened. And so they've been peacefully protesting since then. For 44 days, there was no violence of any kind. And the Supreme Court there blocked the military from doing an audit, which is what they're supposed to do in their constitution if there's a discrepancy over an election. Then the military is supposed to audit the ballots and make sure everything was free and fair. And the Supreme Court stopped that. It also had some of the opposition uh, people arrested, the peaceful protesters um, arrested. And so then things stirred up more. But as as I'm listening to reports from Brazil, from Brazilians that are there, they said the people are still not doing any violence. They've infiltrated the crowd and had some hired thugs go burn some cars and do some things. But the people have been committed to nonviolence, committed to being there, though, where when the government sees millions of people in the street for months, <laughs> we can barely get a protest in America for a few hours. They've been out there for months now. And they are they, they. realize what's going to happen, and this is why it's such a key story to us. If this election is not overturned and nullified because it was corrupt, Brazil will be a communist country. Of course, they understand that. That's why they're out there for 50 days protesting because they realize we'll be communists and we'll be enslaved, and they don't want that. But even for America, that's vital. If we have a communist, huge communist country right there, and then as China takes them over and brings their military there and their weapons, it's just a huge threat to our country. But I just encourage you, it's hard to find any information on this in the mainstream news. They don't even cover it. They just say, oh, Lula is now president-elect, and they're just moving right on with it like they did in America in 2020. But we need to be praying for the people of Brazil, that God will bless their efforts, and the military will step up and do what they're supposed to do, and they'll go arrest the Supreme Court members that are stopping justice from happening and, and everything. But it's just it's a huge turning point. Um, And so anyway, that's a key thing to be aware of because it hardly gets any coverage. Another thing that happened this week, of course, is SBF or Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested. And a lot of people on first view of that would go, oh, that's great. He's a criminal. He's done all this criminal activity, which he has. But the next morning he was supposed to testify before Congress where they could have dug in and found out lots of details that would help them not only catch him and given him a big sentence, but all the other people involved. But our Department of Justice SWAT teamed him out of there and said, Oh, we arrested him because he's a criminal, but that was to stop him from speaking. Um, I just I know I've seen enough of these things in my life, they don't want him to talk because he obviously knows a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets Epsteined where, oh, yeah, he committed suicide in prison. We're so sorry to let you know that or whatever. But they don't want him to stand up and speak and let everybody know, here's all the people that were involved with me in this fraudulent corruption of billions and billions of dollars we stole from the American people. But that's a key story. And we'll see how it develops over the next few weeks. But I I could just sense right when it happened, oh, no, no, this is rotten to the core um, because they always want the person to testify before Congress because with all that questioning, so many things will come out um, that might not come out in a court case where they just plead the fifth and say "I, I have the right to remain silent and I'm just gonna be silent. So anyway, that's something. I want to show you a video right now, just a a clip of it, that is so important. You might have seen it this week, you might not have, but it exposes the sobering reality of where we are going right now with technology. And it's kind of hard to even comprehend as you see it, and you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute, but the problem with the advancements in technology are when you have capabilities, and when you're increasing man's ability to do things, when those people are not moral, when those people do not fear God, it becomes very scary, because then they can use this great power for evil instead of for good. Technology can be a great blessing, but in a world like back when the Tower of Babel was being built, when they started to gain technologies, when they started to come together to accomplish something great for themselves and they didn't fear God, um, that's when the evil becomes so rampant and so extreme, it's hard to even comprehend. But watch this short video and then I'll talk to you more about it. But this is talking about where all the technologies are coming together right now and in the next couple years, this commercial for this company that they're starting to work on will be a reality.
1: Introducing Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility, powered entirely by renewable energy. Ectolife allows infertile couple to conceive a baby and become the true biological parents of their own offspring. It's a perfect solution for women who had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer or other complications. With Ectolife, premature births and C-sections will be a thing of the past. Ectolife is designed to help countries that are suffering from severe population decline, including Japan, Bulgaria, South Korea, and many others. The facility features 75 highly equipped labs. Each state-of-the-art lab can accommodate up to 400 growth pods or artificial wombs. Every pod is designed to replicate the exact conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. A single building can incubate up to 30,000 lab-grown babies per year. Ectolife allows your baby to develop in an infection-free environment. The pods are made of materials that prevent germs from sticking to their surfaces. Every growth pod features sensors that can monitor your baby's vital signs, including heartbeat, temperature, blood pressure, breathing rate, and oxygen saturation. The artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. With Ectolife, miscarriage and low sperm count are a thing of the past. Prior to placing the fertilized embryo of your baby inside the growth pod, in vitro fertilization is used to create and select the most viable and genetically superior embryo, giving your baby a chance to develop without any biological hurdles. And if you want your baby to stand out and have a brighter future, our elite package offers you the opportunity to genetically engineer the embryo before implanting it into the artificial womb. Thanks to CRISPR-Cas9 Gene Editing Tool, you can edit any trait of your baby through a wide range of over 300 genes. By genetically engineering a set of genes, the Elite Package allows you to customize your baby's eye color, hair color, skin tone, physical strength, height, and level of intelligence. It also allows you to fix any inherited genetic diseases that are part of your family history so that your baby and their offspring will live a healthy, comfortable life free of genetic diseases.
0: If you haven't seen that before, I know it's it's kind of makes you sick to your stomach. But that's where technologies are taking us. And to think of all those babies, where they're talking about it as if, oh, you can as ladies can just have your baby done there so you don't have to go through delivery and all that stuff, like it's a convenience. But if they can do that, where you're creating babies that don't have parents there to protect them and nurture them, where you're just creating them, of course they have to use the egg and the sperm to to do that, but where they're detached from people and parents... (sighs) talk about human trafficking, talk about slavery, talk about um, creating genetically modified soldiers that are huge, seven foot tall, and 400 pounds, and, and uh, just, you know, anyway, I just, that that thing was sobering to me, but um, that's the brave new world we're entering. That's why what we're doing is so important, what you're doing, speaking truth, standing for the truth, exposing evil, and praying that god will bless our efforts to do that but i wanted you to know about that in case you hadn't seen it next story open borders europe for decades has had open borders because they rejected the blessings of children their population numbers have been dropping and dropping in all the european countries now for 50 years and so they had to allow immigration uh, to make up the, the difference of people they needed to run the businesses, to buy the things, and they're collapsing right now. They're realizing, even some of the radically liberal progressive countries realize they're at the point of no return, because the hostile people that have come in that, that hate them are now out reproducing them, and it's just a matter of time till it's the end of Europe. And But that was all purposefully done. Uh, they It wasn't to help the refugees have a place to go. There's plenty of places in the world to go where people can be around people just like themselves. Like if you're a Muslim, there's 52 or so Muslim countries. So if you're having trouble in one country, you can be displaced into another Muslim country where you're still with people that think like you, believe like you, have the same culture and traditions and everything else. The reason they started bringing people into Europe and into America that are not connected to our Judeo-Christian background and our foundations. They're not connected into our culture. and just our language and our, the way we do things is because it starts to fracture everything into bits and pieces, which is a key goal of the globalists so they can have world government. When you move everybody around enough, no one is patriotic. And when no one is patriotic, they could care less if Their country still existed, or if it's a world government, whatever, they don't care. It doesn't really matter. The reality is all the European countries have about 15 years till they're literally over. It's the end of Western civilization and the history of it. And the history that is there will all be uprooted. As soon as the Muslims do have the majority and and are able to get all the different elected positions, they'll have Sharia law, they will burn down every church or turn it into a mosque, all the, the history of Western civilization, all the tombs of the boys with the crosses on them will be torn down. And that's where they're going because they've reaped what they have sown. When you tell God, we don't want your blessings, we don't want children. We want to do what we want to do. We want more money for ourselves. Then God says, okay, you're going to reap what you have sown. So that's what's happening. But of course, that's what's going on right now in America. That's what the Biden administration is doing with the final assault, already five and a half million in less than two years. Just next week is the end of, I believe it's Title 41, that stops them from having to stay in Mexico for any time at all. So they're going to be pouring in, a lot of estimates are between three and 400,000 a month. Well, if that continues for two more years, or then we have 10 to 15 million new people over just one term of Biden that we have to support that are not capable of providing for themselves because they don't even speak the language. And it's going to just be what they need to start again fracturing our country where everyone starts pulling into their own groups and and then it slowly collapses from there. But um, it, it's sobering. It, it was a plan premeditated decades ago, but always done as it always is under the guise of, no, these people need a place to go to. And we're all kind and loving and, oh, really? And, and because of our Judeo-Christian foundations, we know it's good to love your neighbor, and it's good to be kind to others. And so they took advantage of that over the last 50 years and started doing this. And we're like, okay, and they're just like a little bit more. There's a crisis in this country. The Syrians need to come to America. Oh, okay. And they just keep coming and coming. But that's a key thing. Okay, last news story for this week. The Cary Lake story in Arizona. I know you've probably been following that. She has a court case now that's going forward and she has the most solid facts and standing with the court. If if it's ever going to be heard, a case where someone says, I do not think this was a free and fair election and here are the reasons why and here's how it has affected me and everything else. If they don't hear this, we'll know that elections are done period. We will not win another one. And so that will be significant. Um, but if she is able to present the evidence and show the corruption, which was rampant all over Arizona, um, then it might be a crack in the door. and It will expose to hundreds of millions of Americans, oh, they really proved it was fraudulent at this time. Um, and so it helps people be more willing to enact harder laws on voter integrity and things like that. So anyway, just a key case not getting covered much in the news. They're already moving on. Katie Hobbs is the new governor and moving forward like they did with Biden, and they always do. But we need to pay attention to that and be praying about that, that justice will prevail and that the evil will be exposed and that that election result will be overturned. Well, of course, Christmas is this week, and I Hope and pray that you have many family traditions, things you do to knit the family together, to to help Christmas be a meaningful, purposeful time of remembering why a Savior was born, why there was a babe born in a manger 2,000 years ago. One of the things we started back in 2000 as a tradition, and it's been such a blessing to us and hopefully the people that we've done this for, but um, It was the year 2000, and my kids were just little at the time. And on Christmas morning, there was some toy or something they got that needed batteries, and we didn't have them. So I drove down to the local gas station in my car, and I remember this moment. God used it to touch my heart and to make me realize we need to be more purposeful. And I walked in the gas station, grabbed the batteries, and walked over to the counter And then all of a sudden, I said to the person behind the counter, I don't know what I was thinking. I said, what in the world are you doing here? Because I was thinking, wait a minute, this is Christmas morning. And she said, well, I had to work today. And it just dawned on me, wait a minute. There's lots of people that have to work on Christmas morning. We should do something for them. And so one of our traditions came about from that moment. And so the next year... Christmas 2001. What we did is we got together all these little plates with saran wrap of cookies and with a Christmas track telling the real meaning of Christmas and sharing the gospel. And we'd make a bunch of those up. And then our family together, my wife and I and the kids, we would go to hotels, gas stations, truck stops, all these places where there's people. And I'll never forget it, how God just blessed that very first experience to help me realize we must be doing more things like this is that next year we got ready, we went to that very same gas station, the one I'd been the year before where I saw the lady. This year we walk in and there was a guy there just tattooed head to toe, nose rings, lip rings, ear rings. I mean, just a rough character, really rough. And I walked up to him and I said, we're just so sorry you had to work today on Christmas. And we wanted to bring you some cookies and goodies and and a little track that tells you the real meaning of Christmas. And he said this. He looked at me. He said, that's for me. And he started crying. I'll never forget his face as the tears came down. I said, yes, it's for you. We love you. And we're, we're sorry you couldn't be with your family on Christmas morning. And and anyway, I just realized right then, we as Christians need to take every effort to be sharing the good news in a loving, kind way with people. And we've done that now every year ever since. And we have have hundreds of incredible experiences of people that start crying, people that come hug us, and we, we talk to them about Jesus, and we, and we give them this great Christmas track that just goes through the the, the real story of Christmas and then why Jesus came to die. And I just encourage you to get some traditions together like that. I encourage you to make a list this week of maybe three people, friends, family, that you know probably don't know Jesus. But but take the opportunity this time of year when they're all kind of celebrating his birth anyway. I know it's been secularized where it's Santa Claus and all this stuff, but they all know it's Jesus's birth. And so it's a perfect time of year to talk about why was Jesus born and and, and share that with them. So as you enjoy the fellowship of this season, which I think God designed us to fellowship with each other, we love that. And the fun times together and the memories um, and just time off from the normal schedule is always refreshing. And the presents, everyone likes getting presents, and it's so fun to give a present to someone that you love but family and friends, but in the midst of that, I encourage you to make things purposeful, to talk about the real reason and the real meaning behind Christmas. I want to play for you right now quickly what I think is the greatest song ever written by man, and it's a Christmas song, but I think I played it for you last year. But Watch this short clip here of Handel's Messiah. And as you're listening to it, listen to the words. It makes me cheer up every time I hear it when it talks about the king of kings and Lord of lords and he shall reign forever and ever. And it's being sung in this mall where all these people are getting here the message of the gospel and who Jesus is. And it's just, it's so special. But, but watch this. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I do. I love seeing that. It just it's so wonderful to hear the words to that song and people, many that aren't saved, getting to listen to that. That's who Jesus is, and he will reign forever and ever. And that's so encouraging as a Christian. Now, I know over twenty twenty two, like all of us, I you've had Good times and you've had bad times. You've had happy days and you've had sad days, and joy and suffering and victorious things that have happened and losses. And each one of you has had a unique year that God planned for you. And I just I encourage you to stop this time of year and give thanks as you're you're talking about the real meaning of Christmas you're talking about the babe born in a manger ensuring with your family and friends why he came just just give thanks that he did come it's the greatest single event in the history of the world that God almighty would send his son to come as god and man in one package for us and um so he could grow up and die on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. There's no greater story that's ever been told than that. And we need to be sharing it. And I want to encourage you to, as I've gone door to door with different churches I've been a part of over the years, I've always been shocked at one thing. How many people call themselves a Christian, but then when you ask them the simple question, what does it mean to be a Christian? They don't have the right answer. And and I tell you that um, because... You need to not take for granted that all of your friends, oh, yeah, they're Christians, they're Christians. If they are, take the time to ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, tell me, when did you become a Christian? What does that mean to you? And just listen, because so many times, so many people I've asked that to, they said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. When I ask them, what does that mean? It meant totally different things that are not what a Christian is. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. I've really tried to be good, and and I, uh, you know, my family's Christian and <laughs> all this stuff. I'm like, that has nothing to do with being a Christian. A, a Christian is someone who is a follower of Christ and has been regenerated. He's been born again, and a lot of people don't know that. I also just want to read this for you real quick. This I just came across w- recently, but this was written several hundred years ago by a Puritan theologian named John Flavel. He imaginatively creates the conversation between God the Father and God the Son in eternity past, before time began, before he came down to be born in that main manger. And I just just listened to this for a minute. It really touched me in a special way. And it was probably something like this. This isn't Bible. This is someone's interpretation of the conversation they had to have when Jesus decided, no, I'm going down to pay for their sins on the cross. I'm going to suffer and die for them because I love them. And here it is. The father says, My son, here is a company of poor, miserable souls that have utterly undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. Justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done for these souls? And then Jesus says, Oh, my father, Such is my love too and pity for them that rather than they should perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee. Bring all your bills that I may see what they owe you. Lord, bring them all in that they may be no after reckoning with them. At my hand, you will require it. I would rather choose to suffer your wrath than they suffer it. Upon me, my father, upon me, be all their debt. And then God the Father says, But my son, if you undertake for them, you must pay the last penny. Accept no discounts. If I spare them, I will not spare you. And then Jesus said, I'm willing. Father, let it be so. Charge it all to me. I'm able to pay their debt. And though it will undo me, though it will impoverish all my riches and empty all my accounts, yet I am content to undertake it. And that, of course, is just someone writing what it might have been like, because that's the type of thing that happened, and that's exactly the way it did unfold. Where Jesus, we we talk about when Jesus died on the cross, we talk about it like, oh yeah, that would have been terrible to be beaten so bad that he was unrecognizable as a human. It says that. (laughs) Do you understand how horrible of beating that is? And then to be crucified and everything. We look at that, and that was tremendous suffering. No question about it. Um, I know what was happening is every guard that was able to punch him or rip out his beard or abuse him in some way, Satan was indwelling him. It was the first time Satan was able to get at God. And and so, you know, when Judas left uh, the, the, the dinner they were having, the Last Supper, it said Satan went and, and, and dwelt him right then. And then I guarantee you when the guard slapped him in the face when he was being tried, Satan was in that person. He wanted to unleash on the Son of God, and he never had been able to before. So the beating he got was Full of all the venom and fury of Satan himself. And uh, so, again, even Passion of the Christ or one of those things that shows it was pretty bad is not a fraction of it. He was so bloody you could not tell it was a human being. That's what the Bible says. But I don't think we stop to think enough about that letter I just read. A perfect lamb of God. <laughs> having to have all the sin of the world placed upon him and his father unleash his wrath against him. That wrath would have been a trillion times the wrath of Satan's physical abuse of him when the torment of having your father, when we don't even, our mind can't comprehend a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all being one God, and then the the fracture of that for that moment in time when God the Father unleashed His wrath on His only begotten Son. can't can't even describe it. But we have to let people know that's why Jesus was born in a manger on Christmas Day. Just so He could do that. And we need to make sure they understand that. Because that's what gives purpose to Christmas. That's what gives the joy. When we give those gifts... It's because we are so grateful for the gift we have been given. So don't just celebrate Christmas this year and forget about no, the purpose of it. And every gift you give a loved one, or, or a friend, or, or, or a family member, make sure you write a note in there telling them, I'm giving you this gift because of the gift that was given to me of eternal life because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm so grateful I'm overflowing with his love and I wanted to show you a token of that by giving you this present or whatever. But we just, we need to make sure Christ is in Christmas. And we need to just not let this special time of year vaporize only having had fun and not given hope to, to people, to strangers. Just go out of your way to, to be like Christ would be in loving those around you, but doing the greatest act of love toward them and speaking truth to them. But I encourage you to make the most of Christmas this year. I encourage you to sit down with those that come over and maybe listen to the entirety of Handel's Messiah. It's the greatest piece of music in my estimation that's ever been written by man. And it so glorifies Jesus. And it tells the whole story of, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and and all the details of his life and everything else. But our verse for this week is one I'm sure most of you know, but if you don't, please memorize it and please share it with others this Christmas season because it kind of tells the meaning of everything wrapped up in one verse. And that verse is John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the meaning of Christmas, and that's what makes it so special. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and until two weeks from now when I come back, may God bless you.